energy in the the arena tonight was unbelievable. It was crazy, um, and it's, it feels good. Uh, you know, we're happy that we're able to clean here and walk. We're happy that we are going to the third round, and uh, we're happy that you know the people are into it. Um, I don't think I've ever seen um, people in Milwaukee be so excited about basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the Ike Bucks podcast. Bucks fans all over the world, we're really happy you're here recording minutes away from the Pfizer Forum. My name is KJ Eichstead and I'll be your host. We are 10 games in, so we thought, what better time to do a podcast? You know, it, it game one was fun against the Nets. The ring ceremony was unbelievable, but... Really, this is like the kind of sample size we need to to make any sort of assumptions about the trends that are worthwhile, in my opinion. So we're really excited to bring this show to you guys today. I'm joined by Alex. Alex, how you doing? KJ, doing great. Bucks fans, happy to be here. I'm super excited to talk on the podcast. Uh, the last episode featured NBA champion Pat Connington. So Bucks check fans, that out. if you haven't checked it out, make sure to go check that out. Great advice from him. Really smart guy. And you know, like you said, it's been 10 games. I've got some thoughts. I think a lot of people have got some thoughts. They're probably looking at what this team a little confused right now, to be honest. Um, but I'm excited to dive into it because uh, we're still champions here. Exactly. So, you know, the Bucks are 4-6 and six as we record this, which I don't know what to really say because, you know, we've been covering this team for about 10 years now since the start of Giannis. And when we went, you know, I think it was like 15 and 67 and, you know, we just won the championship. So it's like, okay, here we are the season after we're starting the year four and six. I couldn't even explain. I think that I just want to start off by saying I can't even help to explain how worthless and useless these first 10 games of the season are. Bucks fans consider this last year's season, which we won the championship only was 72 games this year. It's back to 82 games. So many games. You know what load management is at this point if you've been following the NBA. And they do that because there is just an absurd amount of games. Well, why are there so many games? Because it's media slots for potential money. Get eyeballs on the TV, sell that slot to a company that keeps the player's salaries high, that keeps the owner's salary high, you know, keeps the merch sales flowing. Uh, it's kind of like a, that's how the ecosystem worked. But really, to me, the biggest takeaway of this four and six start is that the Bucks won opening night one zero, and here's why: you know, versus the Nets and Kevin Durant and James Harden, it's because that was a game they had to get up for, and that's what you translate to the playoffs. The playoffs are you have to get up and play every game. You know, if you aren't ready to play, the Bucks or any team will get blown out. We saw it happen versus Brooklyn. We saw it happen versus Phoenix. You know, you saw it happen versus Atlanta when the Bucks weren't ready to play. You really got to show up every single game. And the Bucks, you know, matchup number one of the season, NBA is kicking off. Brooklyn Nets, a team a lot of people consider to be the best team in the NBA, versus the Milwaukee Bucks, the reigning champion, uh, fronted by Giannis Antetokounmpo, flanked by Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, two all-stars who are also lethal. You know, that's a game that everybody's about to flip on and watch. And, and there's going to actually be some pressure, even though it is just one of 82. The Bucks took care of business in that game. Giannis looked better than ever. And that was what really my takeaway was of the first 10 games. You know, the defense has to improve. The offense has to improve. Everyone's got to get healthy. But really, game one was like the main thing I needed to see. Uh, Alex, what about you? First 10 games, what's your takeaway? I've got a few. I think uh, the first takeaway is that they're not healthy. You know, Chris Milton's only been in six games. Uh, Drew Holiday has been in four games. Bobby Porter's in five. Brooke Lopez in just one. And Rodney Hood in six. Semi Ojale in five. So, like, this Bucks team right now, like, Giannis is the only guy <clears throat> outside of Grayson Allen, uh, Pat Connington, Jordan Noir, and Thanasis, and George Hill that's played in every game. And so you could argue Giannis is been carrying most of the load which we've seen you know Giannis off to another tremendous start PER monster uh he looks better than I've ever seen him his quick yeah. catch and shoot is just it's just like I it's a aspect of his game that's here that I didn't almost see coming this soon and uh now yeah. Giannis is just kind of showing what's next and I'm really excited for that but he's dominating he's averaging 27 points 
uh, 11 rebounds and six assists, uh, nearly two blocks. 33 PER. Yeah, it's absurd, the numbers he's putting up. But this is my other takeaway. If you look at the second highest minutes on the Bucks, because I would say Chris Middleton, having only played the six of the first 10 games, kind of disqualifies himself from that. It's Pat Connington. He's playing 29.6 minutes a game, and he's having the best year of his career. He's averaging 10 points a game, Bucks fans. Double-digit Pat. uh, And so... To kind of see his role expand after the great playoff run he no- had, I, I kind of noticed that as well. Um, also, I think when you kind of said these first 10 games, Cage, are kind of like, uh, you know, meaningless, I think it's more of you rotate the squad heavy. Maybe maybe yeah. you played, uh, you know, varsity sports. Maybe you played, you know, middle school sports. When you have like a ton of games... You know, and they're less serious. They're so far away from the serious ones. That's when the squad starts to rotate. That's when guys like Jordan Nawara get a ton of time. That's when, you know, really, you're just kind of rotating, seeing who you got. Coach Bud's got a lot of turnover despite winning the championship last year. He needs to find out, like, which one of these guys are ready, what their roles could be. Um, but the core of this Bucks team was what we saw in that opening night victory against Brooklyn, which was an insane victory. I thought it was a statement win. I thought it said, like, hey, the Bucks are still the best team in the NBA. And even though they are 4-6, and six, I still think the Bucks could win every series in this NBA. I think they're still number one on the power rankings. Exactly. Uh, those are my immediate reactions. Well, here's something interesting, Bucks fans, is if you compare Giannis to Durant, you know, pretty much the de facto two best players in the world right now, Giannis is averaging actually averaging slightly more three-point attempts a game. He's averaging 4.9 three-pointers a game. Durant's averaging 4.7 three-pointers. Giannis shooting 29%. Durant shooting 38%. So that's just something to keep an eye on. Giannis shooting 71% from the free throw line. So he's kind of like integrating the three-point shot into his game fully. I think that's what we're seeing in year nine. And I think if you look at his career arc, like year 10, it'll probably be fully integrated. So maybe that's like one of the last frontiers for Giannis to develop. But yeah, you know, I can't really emphasize how little this first 10 games of the season is or how really it means. You know, if you look at the Bucks team, right, the big three is really what says it all. Giannis, Chris, and Drew. But beyond that, we return almost the entire squad from last year's championship team. We return Brooke Lopez, who hasn't even gotten on the court yet. We return Bobby Portis, two guys who are really good players. Bucks fans, if you go and scour the NBA rosters around the league, which I did the other day just to kind of see what the landscape did was it together. Like, <laughs> you know, a lot of teams, there's a lot of like... They got nobodies. You know, there's a lot of teams at the point in the NBA where they're like developing behind the Bucks in the sense where they have younger players, they have less you know, established players, less skilled players versus like someone who might be fully developed like a Brooke Lopez or like a Bobby Portis or one might even argue a Pat Connington, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and obviously a Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, you know, the Bucks are like a finished product darn near. Like maybe with the yeah. exception of Giannis. Like most guys and, are in their prime. And we're about to much. add, you know, a, a Brooke Lopez back. We're about to add a Bobby Portis back. And, and really, you know, we're about to add a Jordan Award to the mix this season, which we have been. And, you know, this team, I am not worried in the not slightest that. despite a four and six start. It's like there's going to be chatter because that's what NBA Twitter is. You know, like people were giving us guff for saying Chris Middleton was a top 15 player, which I think he's a back end of the top 15. You know, people were giving us guff for saying Drew Holiday needed more respect. Uh, people are actually acting like this four and six start means something. It's like. You know, for sure, like that's a good, that's a conversation to be had. But truly, the Bucks just we're going to see be... things pan out a little differently, Bucks fans, because like the Bulls, for instance, they are razor thin. A lot of these teams around the league are razor thin. They may be healthy right now, but they're one injury away from devastation. That's kind of what we noticed, Cage, too, when we were looking through the rosters around the league. Is hey, you know, there's a lot of teams that just don't have that depth of these guys in their prime like the Bucks do. The Bucks have a lot of guys who, luckily right now, we can rotate uh, some players, get them ha- rested. Uh, well, here's the landscape. Philly, best team in the East, according to record. If the Bucks played Philly in a series, who would win? 
I would argue Milwaukee. Miami Heat, number two, darn good team. We ended up sweeping them in the first round, but the year before, they really, you know, hit us hard. And I don't think any Bucks player has forgotten about that. As Pat referenced it multiple times in his interview, the Miami Heat series, you know, they're going to be a top four team. The Brooklyn Nets, they're going to be a top four team. The Washington Wizards, I don't see it. The Chicago Bulls, I don't see it. The Cleveland Cavaliers, I don't see it. The New York Knicks, good, but I don't see it. I think the Bucks, Sixers, Heat, and Nets are going to be the top four seed in some order. And if you look at those four teams, I really think it shakes out to the Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee. And then, as you saw last year, you know anything could happen. We'll see what happens with Kyrie Irving. I hope to see him on the court again. He's so fun to watch. You know, he's unbelievable offensively. He's unbelievable with the handles. Uh, you know, big three versus big three in the battle of the universe. How much fun was that last year? Let's do it again this year. But but really, you know, the Bucks they're going to end up right back in the top four. I can't say they're going to be playing Giannis 82 games. I can't say they're going to be playing Chris 82 games or Drew. You know, they're probably going to be a hodgepodge the entire year. But we're going to be top four. Mark my words. Yep. I, I believe that the Bucks will be top four. They've got their work cut out for them. I think one thing that's a little uh, just kind of concerning is just it looks it looks kind of dysfunctional on offense sometimes like oh, what yeah. is the offense out there right now and I think maybe Bucks fans can just remind themselves that hey coach Bud is not really at least I, I don't anticipate right now like you know scheming up these lineups very like he was in the playoffs you know he's kind of just letting guys play get used to playing together uh, George Hill's back on the team he's only 10 games in playing with his old teammates He's probably settling in himself. So if you think about some of these other players, uh, you know, finding themselves actually playing among, amongst the championship rotation, it takes time to get used to it. Like Grayson Allen, I think he's done a good job of kind of coming into this Bucks roster and finding his role. He can shoot the three. He can well, he's got a 17.67 PER. He's playing well. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there because the Bucks are four and six, right? And Grayson Allen is seemingly playing well. So what gives... Well, my initial thoughts on Grayson Allen is like, yeah, he's showing off his skills. But if you think about it, he's in a new city, just signed a new deal. He's taking a lot of usage rate right now, which is, I guess, fine. Because of going back to my theme of the first 10 games or the first 10 games. But it's like, he doesn't need to come in here and be a main, you know, offensive guy. Like, the Bucks have a big three for that. He needs to come in and be like a Pat Connington. And right now he's taken a lot of the offense and a lot of just the usage percentage. And I think that's a part of the reason why the Bucks are four and six. You know, like Grayson Allen is a talented player, but it's like he doesn't really need to be a top three usage guy on a championship team. I, th- you know, I think he's got to like think about it like playoff, you know, playoff rotation. Grayson Allen is going to split time with Connington and, you know, Dante potentially, uh, but he's going to be out of that rotation. You know, like Grayson Allen is right now also in this mixed cage getting a chance to probably, you know, show off his scoring. Like, what do you got, Grayson? You know, once things get serious, once Chris and Drew start balling a lot more, there's less ball to go around. You know, even guys like Pat, Bobby, Brooke gets healthy. Like, he's going to have to get on the court and show if he can do something this season at some point. So, um, I think so it's good to see Grayson scoring. I, that's what I say. I'd like to see him like, you know, you kind of like to see what he can offer. And I feel like the Bucks kind of take a look at him like, okay, he's shooting 40% from three. He shoots above 90% from the line. You know what you got in him. You know, like he, he's not like a, you're like, okay, the guy we signed is the guy who showed up. Yeah, he can actually get you 10, 15 points. You know, he can dive on the ball for a steal. You know what translates to the playoffs? Both those things. So, I think, um, you know, if Grayson Allen slots into, like, a normal usage in a playoff run, I think that's what's going to ultimately win you a championship. Um, you know, just like Pat. You know, it's like Pat is obviously playing more minutes than he ever has, and he's taking more shots. And, you know, he's making a little less than he has in the playoffs. His three-point percentage is, like, 35 36% right now. In the playoffs, he was much higher than that. But that's still really, really good. Um, maybe take as many shots right so he's going to take the shots when the game is in in flow and in rhythm and when it comes to him as he expressed in the pod but like that's going to be Giannis Chris and Drew maybe Lopez maybe Portis maybe Pat when the when the oh, ball yeah. swings to him you know one guy <laughs> Jordan Nawara is not shooting nine times in the playoffs <laughs> what like Jordan Nawara is because he's a fan favorite amongst Bucks fans and I see why a lot of Bucks fans are excited about him he's very Almost reminds me of a little bit of a Mel 
But this guy on the defensive end is a clear liability. And it's like, I don't think you can play him in a playoff game. So it's like maybe that changes over the course of the year. But it's like there is no quarrels, no qualms over here about Jordan Warren's offensive game. I think it's very advanced for a second-year player. But, like, you notice when he's in the game, there are just defensive breakdowns happening. The Bucks are losing their leads. The other teams are going on runs. And I would say another guy to lump in that category is George Hill, who the Bucks brought back. It's like they, the other teams always seem to go on their runs when George Hill is in the game. You have to wonder what those defensive metrics are looking like. I haven't really del- dove into them yet, but maybe that's something we could do on, like, a quarter mark of the season podcast. It'll definitely be fun. Yep. I think uh, also uh, the, the Bucks. They they just ha- don't have the sample size, but this team is a championship contender. Uh, they've got all the pieces there in place, and it's about staying healthy. And you kind of I think know who the guys who are banged up relatively early: Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, maybe Giannis is a machine. And and when I watch him this year, it's like he almost souped up even another level. His body looks bigger, almost like a little bigger than it was at the end of the last year championship run. I don't know if he, he was trying to do something, um, but he looks great. And he's adding that quick pull-up three to his game. He's really the guy you just got to kind of keep your eye on. And a 33 PER, you know, that gives me confidence. He's one of the best leaders in sports. But as long as you got Giannis, you got a chance. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, Giannis is, is literally, he's checked every box, you know, and he's also checked the championship box. So it's like... The only thing he has to check now is the multiple championship box. And uh, like you said, leadership on the court, off the court. And, you know, it's like we are only 10 games in, and the NBA season is a long one. You know, it's it's like there are games straight now through April, and it's a long time. It's October. It's November, December, January, February, March, and April. I mean, you really do find out who the better teams are. Uh, so it definitely weeds out the worst teams, although a lot of teams make the playoffs in the NBA. But it's like the Bucks are right where they need to be. Uh, they have so much talent. It's like over that big of sample size, we're going to be just fine. And, and I think this is kind of an exciting time to look around the NBA. Some of the other teams, just like, what's the NBA looking like this year? Yeah, we were ben diving Simmons, deep. Philly, you know, that's that's a whole saga in itself. The player is turning on him. You know, he's kind of checked out. He's there so he doesn't get fined doing workouts. It's just like a funny overall saga that would really irritate me if he was on my team. But Philly's atop the conference. You know, they, they still have something to prove, I think they feel. So that's why you saw them having the best regular Most season the record gates. last yeah. year. You're probably going to see them have a great regular season game this year because, like, Durant's won a ring. You know, Kyrie's Kyrie. James Harden is good, even though he's ringless. I, I wouldn't say he's, you know, as good as everyone hypes him up to be. But, like, the Philadelphia 76ers, they're like, look, we don't really have any of that to fall back on, so we have to, like, get a, a bunch of regular season wins. Miami Heat, they look like the real deal. You know, Tyler Harrell's playing with a renewed sense of energy and focus. Um, Kyle Lowry's there adding a bunch of intangibles. And, uh, you know, P.J. Tucker's there adding Pete a bunch Austin, of intangibles. Yeah. Washington Wizards... I really don't see that. You know, like, Kuzma's having a, a great ton of start. Lakers. It's Lake Show in Washington now. Lake Show in Washington. Like, Bradley Beal's an incredibly talented player. When they hit Just, shots like they do in the first quarter against the Bucks, you know, it's not much you can do like that. You know, they're chucking threes in guys' faces, hitting them, Lake Show material, but it's not sustainable winning. That's what well, I think in a series. It's like, where is Bradley Beal going to go, you know? And he's going somewhere. I don't think it's going to be the New York Knicks. I think he's going to either go to Philly, potentially Boston, Atlanta, you know, or maybe a team out west. Because it's like Bradley Beal's a very content player, and the Wiz have a good record right now. But that's a storyline to definitely keep an eye on. He's like a championship, uh, you know, quality piece that would really alter a team's fortunes. And if you were to add him to a big two it would really update the NBA pecking order. The Chicago Bulls, very guard-heavy. They're 6-3. and three. The trio of Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan. Uh, Zach Levine. Zach Levine, exactly. Cleveland Cavaliers. Are they ready to win yet? Like Jason Kidd says, they got to figure out what kind of team they want to be. Cleveland Cavaliers, <laughs> nothing really to see there. New York Knicks, very talented. 
you know, they, they still need a star to come there, whether it's Damian Lillard or someone, you know, that's when the Knicks are going to be ignited and have like a real window here because Julius Randle is a real deal. Uh, you know, they have some talent around him. Finally, they have Kemba Walker as like a guard to compliment Randle. I think you, you might even see like a Kemba Walker, uh, Damian Lillard kind of package built around that because the salaries could potentially work uh, or at least make it easier to facilitate. Like you're going to need something to facilitate a Dame trade if that happens. And like, I've kind of always envisioned Dame ended up in New York. Then you have the Toronto Raptors, Pascal Siakam just came back. They're, they're definitely getting set back a little bit, but, but a lot of talent on that squad, Charlotte Hornets, LaMelo ball, uh, the team plays zero defense whatsoever. Um, then there's the Bucs. The Celtics look like they're really in a funk. You see Marcus Smart telling teammates Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to pass the ball. Atlanta Hawks, you know, they're still struggling to adjust to the new non-flopping rules as Trey Young benefited so much from. Indiana Pacers, Malcolm Brogdon, when he's your best player, it kind of caps your team. And uh, Orlando Magic and Detroit Pistons at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, just so clearly behind. Like Bucks fans, take one look at <laughs> take one look at Orlando or sorry Detroit Pistons. Take one look at their roster, and you'll you be like, I can see, I can see why Cade Cunningham went to this team. You know, like the, Adam Silver probably took one look at the roster and he's like. I don't recognize a damn name on here. <laughs> you know, he's like this team did it. Really, yeah. really, really needs a star. You know, they re- they yeah. need someone. Like they traded Andre Drummond, that didn't work out. You know, like the a long way fallen from the Blake Big Griffin. Ben Wallace. Yeah, the Blake Griffin era didn't work out. What either. a train wreck! I mean, Detroit Pistons. Here we are talking about them. The Brandon Jennings era the didn't work out. <laughs> But Al, do you want to maybe? I want to talk a little bit about this Eastern Conference cage, just because yeah, you just and ran then maybe we'll touch it. on the West a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah you it. just ran through the East, and the Cavs, like you said, they were another one of those rosters where they've really got. they I mean, I don't expect them to keep this up one bit. Um, they need another good uh, player, but may, maybe they well, don't. Kevin have draft Love picks, is like a waste of space you know? over there. You know, it's well, they, like, they've really got nothing building over there. Like Colin Sexton's their best player. They've got Laurie. Uh, but like a false hope from the Bulls. Look, why not um, Kevin Love to Portland? That's the thing. It's like agree to a buyout already. Kevin Love is from Oregon, or uh, Portland desperately needs something to shake their team and maybe put them on the top. Because the Cavs are Kevin, Kevin Love away from selling no tickets, man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh you man, know? I don't know like, how many fans object to go to see Kevin Love, but that's a good point. You know, they don't really have anyone else. They got no one else, but I, I don't know about that either. Okay, New York Knicks, right? And I think they are getting older in the sense that R.J. Barrett's one of their younger guys who contributes in terms of like a playoff rotation for the Knicks. D. Rose, Julius Randle. I don't know if they have enough to attract Damian yet. I still think they have to like prove it. I don't think they're... Oh, I think like, they do. I think like, they do because here's oh, what Damian they, they sees. Pass, so they... He sees Randall, right? Well, no, he sees, look, at, look at me in Portland. That's what Damon sees. He's like, what do I do every year? I get bounced in the first round if he's I even make the playoffs. He's got and, nothing in Portland. And guess what the Knicks are doing? They're knocking on the door of the second round every year. He says, look, if I add myself to that, that in itself is a better chance than I have over here. And it's and like, that's time. just the logic. Yeah. It, it, like, Dame is not an idiot. You know, he's not phased by the Twitter mob. He's not phased by the trends, you know, what people think he needs to do. Like, whether it's ESPN trying to force him out. Like, they force all these other players out. Can't stand ESPN, by the way. But it's like, you know, Damian Lillard, all he has to do is eventually, like, let the logic play out. He's like, look, I've, exp- I've demonstrated my loyalty to Portland. I love the the Northwest. I love this city. I love these fans. I love this franchise. And no one can say I didn't try to win here. I think he's like, look, I can't even get out of the first round of the playoffs. I'm too good for that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, It's exactly. like I might as well go to the he's, New York he's Knicks. Got, he's got if nobody. If Damian Lillard yeah. goes Julie to Randall the Knicks, this is the nobody. thing. If he goes to the Knicks, that is single-handedly enough to attract another max player, in my opinion. So they could, get, they could theoretically get two kind of like, you know, AD LeBron dynasty type, building type thing, <laughs> and they, they then the next thing you know you have two max players there, and then you're competing with teams like Brooklyn and Milwaukee, who have two to three max players depending on how things shake out in the next couple of years with them. So it's like I think the Knicks are like a Damian Lillard away. I, I can't see Bradley Beal going there because of the same situation as Kyrie Irving right now, but um, you know I think Damian Lillard could end up in uh. 
in in New York Knicks land. Okay, I think let's, that would let's be talk, sick. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Brooklyn because Brooklyn is still like they're going to be the class and they're on a five game winning streak. But they're as we we witnessed game one. They're a relatively older roster. I think that's what I noticed when the Bucks took them on. Is hey, the Bucks were fast. You know, they're young, athletic. Uh, Chris was on. Drew was on. Giannis and and they have like older guys in general. Do you think the Nets can hold up KJ, or do you think it's all reliant on if Kyrie Irving? Because I think Kyrie Irving is he's the he's the key to that car. I don't think they're going anywhere or going to the finals if they don't have Kyrie, but I could be wrong. What do you think? I mean, I can't see it. I can't see him going to the finals without the third max player in their equation. You know, I just really can't. It's simply the fact because, like, James Harden, I don't believe in him. You know, maybe I, I, I'll be proven wrong in that, but I just don't believe in him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the East is, is definitely getting better. I think don't sleep on Toronto. They had a weird year last year where they had to play outside of their home. Boston surely can't be this bad, or can they? <laughs> I think you know, they might be. They kind of effed up that whole rebuild. They really did. I mean, how to destroy a rebuild one-on-one, Boston <laughs> Celtics. Like, <laughs> they could not have messed that up any worse. Danny Ainge, you really did it. That's did a, the three spot. Did a, wow. did a magic one right there. And and so let's, t- let's check out the West real quick. Golden State, they're number one. Uh, Eight and one, Utah Jazz number two, great regular season team. They're like the Philly of the West, in my opinion. The Utah Jazz. It's like, oh, take us seriously. Great regular season record, great defense, great, great talent. But it's like, does anyone take them seriously in terms of a championship contender? Because I certainly don't. Dallas Mavericks. Jason Kidd has Luca number three. I thought he was gonna get. You know, I, I don't think... They don't have a deep I, roster, no. Yeah, I, 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 I was surprised about that. Phoenix Suns, you know, they're kind of getting towards the top. They've won four straight. Uh, you know, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, just you would figure they'd rise. Memphis Grizzlies, the story right there is John Morant really ascending into one of the top point guards in the league. I think he, you know, I don't know if he still leads the NBA in scoring, but he is... No, he doesn't. He's no, I've got him at... Yeah, he's at he's at ninth actually. He's at twenty five twenty five a, a game, which is still pretty impressive. Uh, you know, he's really ascending into that superstar. That honestly, ever since I knew that his dad could, his dad would take the lines off the court growing up. I figured he would always turn into a superstar one day. Then you have Denver. I'm not really sold on them. You have the Clippers. Not really sold on them, but they do have talent. The Kings, not sold on them. Portland, we all know that they're kind of pretenders. Lakers, 5-5. Five and five. Obviously, it's just a circus over there. Like Every year, it seems like... But like, what okay, we saw... Maybe let's take a little less media this year, right? Like, let's do some things in the offseason to maybe make it a little less of a circus. And they're like, oh, let's, let's add Westbrook. Insert mellow. Right? <laughs> Insert mellow. <laughs> and it's just... It's like they can't get enough of the entertainment that it that is the it's Lakers a star, organization. It's a star cast over there, but we were looking at it. Melo has actually got off to a hot start in L.A., Carmelo Anthony, and that is not sustainable, in my opinion. And so I don't see the Lakers. I could see a potential Dwayne Wade, like, Cavaliers implosion going on there in the Lakers pretty soon if Russell Westbrook doesn't work out. I could see that, uh, like a roster overhaul midseason. Um, keep AD, keep LeBron. Cage, do you think there's any chance of that? Because they are banking on Carmelo Anthony. You know, man, I just can't see him doing it. You know, maybe they can come out the West because Golden State, it's like, can they do it without Kevin Durant? They did it on the front end, but can they do it, you know, when Curry's maybe gotten a little older, when Clay's coming Jordan off Poole's his injury? Jordan Poole's looking good. Jordan Poole's looking good. James Wiseman is a nice young talent. But, like, when LeBron locks in, when AD locks in, that would be a series. You know, I think right now that's what the, you know, what what it's kind of going towards in the West. It's going to be uh, the Warriors versus, I think, honestly, Warriors versus Lakers. But maybe it's the Suns. You know, I can't see it being Utah. I just can't. Dallas has a long way to go. I think Denver and L.A., same thing. I think Memphis has a ways to go. Uh, of course, the Clippers think, will be close. I think it's going to be L.A. Lakers, Utah Jazz, and Golden. Or sorry, L.A. Lakers, Phoenix Suns, and, and the 
and the Jet or sorry, the Warriors kind of does that top three teams, and we'll see who comes out. I think the Bucks could beat all three. So I, I think it would be fascinating to see a Bucks Warriors finals. That would be amazing. What about a Bucks Lakers finals? You know, taking it back to the days of Kareem Abdul Jabbar oh. snapping the 33 game streak. That'd be sick. Um, Alex, any thoughts on the West, real quick? The West, uh, I think you kind of point out. I think there's four, maybe borderline five contenders. I think the the four are Warriors, Suns, Clippers, Lakers. And I think the fifth is, like, the Jazz are, like, on that, like, cusp. Like, would you take the Jazz serious? I don't think the Mavericks will be there. Um, they might be a first-round team, like a seven or eight seed. Uh, but I don't think they can advance. The Grizzlies are close, but I think maybe another year. They need, they need like, another star there. Um, but the Clippers got their two stars. And we'll see the Lakers how Kawhi have, comes back. That's yeah, going to be everything, honestly. The Lakers, I know, but the Clippers, they have that young guy, Cage. Remember we were looking through their roster? I forget what his name was. Um, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Oh, was it Terrence Mann? Terrence Mann is pretty good. He's definitely getting better every Yeah, season. Florida State Seminoles, 25 years old. Yeah, so he's starting to play well. Um, Reggie but, Jackson. Yeah, the, I mean, you know, they they need Kawhi back. You know, they it's need like Kawhi. Paul George is legit. I think he's proven. Like NBA Twitter was like, oh, playoff P, playoff P. Like he's legit. You know, he's a guy who like you pair him with Damian Lillard, see how that goes, right? Like that would be a sick pairing. Um, I, I don't think, think he'll it, end up in LA, but maybe he will. Maybe they'll trade Kawhi to Portland because he just wants to get. You know, like who knows what might happen. <laughs> um, but when I see the West, I really, I really just see. Uh, I do think the Warriors could be a contender. It's based on Clay, though. I don't think they have the edge. Um, I think the Suns are a genuine candidate to go back to the Western Conference Finals. You know, if you look at the league, the entire teams, the number one point differential is Golden State. They're at plus 13.7. And Miami Heat's number two at plus 11.5. The Jazz are number three at plus 9.1. The Sixers are number four at plus 8.5. The Bulls are number five at plus 5.2. And I would argue of those five, really only the the Warriors are a contender. And they were out in the playing game last year. So it's like, are they even a contender? Are we just kind of anointing them that status based upon a hot start? That happens all the time. Point differential is one of those things that it helps you kind of figure out which teams are, are what. But at the same time, the NBA is such a large sample size. It's like there are teams that place a higher emphasis on the regular season as we saw with the Bucks in the first two years of the Bud era. It's like we were breaking every record you possibly could. And guess what? Nobody cared because like we ended up Can losing you do it in the playoffs. In the playoffs. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like you see all about the playoffs with all these great point differentials right now. They are teams that still have what I would consider regular season things to prove. Like even look at the Raptors. Like they won a ring a couple years ago, plus two point nine differential. You look at the Nets, plus two point eight. You know, you look at the Bucks. We're actually a negative differential of negative one point nine right now. Hawks negative, Lakers negative. You know, it's it just kind of like <laughs> we'll see how those <laughs> we'll see how those things uh, develop. Are the Hawks the in the gutter, KJ? Are the Hawks in the gutter? I mean, they're starting off the year. Four and well, six. It's, it's was that a one-time flash? Bucks I don't think so. I think their team has so much talent, but that team's getting pricey. You know, it's like that depth is, is a, expensive in the NBA. Depth is expensive, and you need top-end talent. It's like John Collins is not a Drew Holiday. You know, Trey Young is a piece. He's yeah. one of those centerpieces. But, like, I'm sorry, Kevin Huerter, not a piece. You know, he's like he's like a contributing member is of a Cam Reddish for a piece? sure. I think Cam Reddish could be a future, you know, potentially top three player on the team. Just like offensive and defensively. Like, Trey Young, you know, he's going to suffer defensively, but offensively he can light it up. And he's got that leadership aspect in him. Yeah, X factor. You know, I think uh, they're going to have like a unique... You know, it's almost like Portland, right? Like the Hawks remind me a little bit of Portland because Portland is always one of these teams that has had such high uh, payrolls, but they've always been, like, mediocre. So the Hawks kind of have to be careful of that, whereas the Bucks have done just a great job of acquiring 
top tier talent. That's kind of what everything is in the NBA because of the unique salary structure. Medium guys will get max contracts. You know, it's just the way the the thing goes. <laughs> When you have a because you're searching cap, for a big three, Cage. These teams yeah, are out there searching. When you have a salary cap, it's like that. That then makes things difficult because then you have to trade players that match up and stuff like that. And and uh, oh, there were honestly, some bad contracts in the league. Uh, oh yeah, oh, I mean yeah. the Magic. Who did they took? They just took Gary Harris, Cage. You were talking about how Gary oh. Harris has fallen <laughs> off a cliff. And he's uh, like a the twenty-one Magic. million dollars salary. I don't know what happened to him. So these are the he... type of players that, you know, just get buried in some of these teams at the bottom uh, where these salaries end up living. Most notably, like the Timothy Mozgov <laughs> contract. I remember when the, the cap went up and and the Lakers were like, give me Mozgov, $72 million. <laughs> <laughs> He was like a scrub that LeBron made, like, look decent because he, then, was, he had to play. And then I'm pretty Delhi, sure like, they had Bucks to attach, Delhi big. Oh. They had to attach, like, multiple first-rounders to, to offload the Mozgov deal. <laughs> and it, it's just like, Bucks fans, like, be thankful you don't have to wake up the headlines like that. Um, yeah. I Real think quick, in general, the NBA, yeah, just maybe you want to summarize Good Bucks, bad Bucks. You know, oh, yeah, good Bucks, bad Bucks. I think good Bucks. I'm, not too long because, we, you know, we've talked about everything. Good Bucks, you know, we have the, probably one of the most, if not the most talented teams in the NBA top to bottom. You know, loaded rosters, experienced guys, cohesiveness, great organization, experience top to bottom, you name it. Bad Bucks is, you know, a lot of... A lot of elements of our team are still being figured out. The good news is it's early. Uh, you know, we got a negative point differential. We, we could play better defense. We could get more wins straight up. But it's so early, I'm not going to hit the panic button at all. You know, I think I will personally hit the panic button if we're under 500 at about a third of the season mark. You know, and it's like just to let Bucks fans know where I'm at. Like, we're going to probably do another pod at the at the quarter season mark, which is 20 games in-ish. And... uh Honestly, if the Bucks were, like, kind of doing some of this then, like, yeah, I'd be more concerned. But it's like, look, I expect this to rise up to the top four in the conference. And then I just know how we're going to load manage to get all our stars ready for the playoffs. And, and really, like, you get Brooke, Brooke back in there. You get Bobby Portis back in there. Pat Grayson. That's a stacked rotation. Like, top heavy of guys who can actually play in the postseason. I'm excited. You know, I'm not worried in the least. I really am not. Al, what about you? Good Bucks, bad Bucks, real quick. Yep, my good barks is that last year in the playoffs, Brooklyn could theoretically pound for pound line up against the Bucks and just bang, you know, in the paint, you know, tough fought. But then week or game one, the Bucks looked like the superior physically team. You know, they they were physical. They had athletes up and down. It's like the Bucks are getting one year more physical, and the Brooklyn was getting one year less because of the age thing. Yeah. And and I really see that the, the Bucks are like this beast untamed because now they know they're the beast. Last year they were figuring it out. They were they didn't really believe in themselves fully. Well, they you know, still I'm had sure self-doubt they, course, too. Yeah, they still had doubts yeah. of could, could yeah. we actually be the you know, NBA champion. Now they know they're the beast. And so I see when I look at Giannis, when I look at Chris, when I look at Drew, primarily those three guys, I see three prime athletes in their prime that as like a group of three can almost beat any any other team in the nba and so i think with just that that's just some good bucks and Giannis continues to blow my mind so always great bucks from him also the nace is getting more minutes i want yeah. to see him in the rotation i like that um bad bucks i think it is just been eyesore you know it's been an eyesore i think uh Bucks fans are like looking at this team, <clears throat> wondering why we're not eight and two, maybe seven and three. Why are we not and, undefeated? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> NBA and, Twitter, you know. Uh, and and I think uh, because it's been ugly, uh, it's like don't be discouraged because these guys still have chemistry playing together. Like Drew Middleton and Giannis, they've been through the ringer at this point. They know how to play with Brooke. They know how to play with Pat. Uh, and that's well, they know how to look down the barrel it. of an 0-2, you know, down versus Brooklyn, down versus Phoenix in the finals. Like they've stared down the barrel of they that. They stared this, down the barrel. This doesn't they've, concern them in the slightest. No, they 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 they've been 
you know, on the brink, you know, of total collapse. Think about that. When the Bucks were down 0-2 to Brooklyn after, you know, falling out of the year, the playoffs against the Heat. Just like Pat talked about this all in the podcast. I definitely recommend you guys all go check out his episode. It's amazing. NBA champion Pat Connington on Ike Bucks podcast. But he describes about how, you know, they got kicked in the teeth the first year when they lost four straight to Kawhi. You know, they got kicked in the teeth the next year against Miami. And then it's like it, they were so close from Brooklyn just kind of, like you said, KG, almost they were looking down the barrel, Honestly, literally like being the Bucks, put out. You know, the, the Bucks, Bucks might have been broken up if they would have lost that Brooklyn yeah. series. Like, real talk, Bucks fans, think about that for a second. If the Bucks wouldn't have come back and won that Brooklyn series, like if we would have lost and bowed out for the third straight year, that team is then obliterated. You know, like Giannis is there because he signed the Supermax, but Chris is gone. Drew's probably there because he just signed the extension. But, like, you know, Brooke would be gone, like supporting cast members all over the place, first-round picks flying this direction, flying that direction. And the Bucks won, and now all these guys are going to be here for a long time, in my opinion. This is our core. I mean, We've if, got they, our if roster. they didn't, yeah, like the Bucks were dangerously close to being, like, broken up and obliterated and, like, starting, you know, retooling, as, as they might say. Yeah, like as a parallel, you know, we're like a company that's been trying to go profitable, and now the Bucks are profitable. They've got their sauce. They've got their winning formula. They know how to win a championship. It's all and upside. It, it's all upside. I mean, and maybe, it's... you know, there's a 10-game skid, you know, trying to figure out some things. You know, guys are kind of resting easy. This team is going to be okay. This team is going to be okay because the Greek freak is looking great. Yeah, I mean, the chart's pointing up and to the right. You know, that just to add on to your point, like it's – Everything about this franchise, we're a premier one in the NBA. Fans all across the world are tuned into the Bucks. Uh, almost 100 countries listen to this podcast. Shout out to everybody tuning in across thank the world. Thank you for so everyone you listening. But, yeah, the Bucks. you know, I like our chances against Golden State. I like our chances against Miami. I like our chances against Utah. I love our chances against Philly. You know, I, I like our chances against the Clippers, the Lakers. It's title time. Like, it, it's this is the window. After what I saw, yeah, game championship one. Championship window season, Bucks fans. Alex, any <laughs> final thoughts? Championship window season. Thanks for having me. And thank you, Bucks fans, for listening. You are all appreciated. That playoff run was magical. Go back and re-listen to it sometimes. It's a lot of fun. But thanks for having me, KG, and can't wait for the next pod. Yep, Bucks fans, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing this podcast with another Bucks fan, that would be amazing. Number one way to help us grow, just spreading that basketball banter, spreading that basketball love. Bucks love, Giannis love. Fear the deer, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Creativity, conversation, motivation, culture, stories, and more. While you're listening to an audio experience unlike anything else. Beautiful sounds that appeal to the senses. Information you can use. Interesting guests. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ike. Welcome to Ike. Thank you for joining, and you are listening to another episode of the Welcome to Ike podcast. Today, we sit down with Three Leaf Development, President and Founder Pat Connington, NBA Champion, as well as Managing Director of Three Leaf, Joe Stan. So, without further ado, Welcome. let's dive into it. Welcome. This is the Welcome to Ike podcast. My name is KJ Eichstead. I'll be your host, and I'm here today with Three Leaf Development Founder and President 
NBA champion Pat Connington. Pat, how you doing? Good. Appreciate you having me, KJ. Thanks for joining the show. And I'm also joined by Joe Stanton, Managing Director of Three Leaf Development. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, appreciate you, uh, you having us, like Pat said. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Three Leaf Development, the innovative real estate company that is making waves in Milwaukee and beyond. And we're going to dive in. So, Pat, first question, you're 28 years old and an NBA champion, Milwaukee Buck, Notre Dame alum, multi-sport athlete, but you're also businessman and president of Three Leaf Development. In your own words, can you describe what Three Leaf Development is and at what part along your journey uh, to becoming an NBA champion it all started? Yeah, um, I would say it's... Um like a club in a way. It's one of those, it's a real estate development firm. We try to do things a little bit differently. We take care of, um, you know, our investors, our employees, our, um, you know, tenants. We try to make sure everything's done with a high level of touch, high class, very professional. Um, But we want to make it a great experience for everybody. And I think that's um, you know, something that in today's day and age, I think a lot of people are in it to make money. We are as well, but we want to make sure it's done the right way. We want to make sure it's done uh, with a high level of experience so that when people walk away, regardless of whom they are to us, um, they walk away, um, you know, happy to be a part of or to have been a part of a Three Leaf property. Yeah. Um, when, when officially did Three Leaf Development start? And I know it originally was Beach House LLC. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the rebrand? Yeah, you know, as we've grown, we've transitioned names from time to time. Um, and I think the ideas have all remained the same. The branding of the name has changed. Um, you know, Three Leaf standing for, you know, we're trying to take athletes, as I'm a professional athlete, um, who are interested in the business world. So if you take an athlete, you're taking business, and you're kind of joining them together through the vehicle of real estate, uh, which would be the Three Leaves. And I think for us, it's been about um, five years since we started, and um, you know we started small. We started flipping homes. We started with stuff that uh, you know we had experience in. We knew a little bit about, uh, but with the idea that as we grew, we wanted to continue to find ways to build a portfolio. Uh, you know, flipping homes are great, but. Um, I'm fortunate to have a means of income on a daily basis, a day job, if you will. And so for uh, to find a way to kind of continue to build for the future and then bring on people who want to also build for the future uh, is kind of where we've gone and where we're continuing to head. Yeah. And I know that you guys worked together growing up, cutting your teeth in real estate at an early age. Joe, can you just describe um, maybe how you started with Relief as well? Yeah, so um, I worked in Boston right out of college um, at a company called Eaton Vance. So it was a financial management company, um, like selling mutual funds. And uh, basically worked there for almost a year and a half. And Pat and I, back, rewind a little bit to high school, worked a little bit um, under his dad. He had a uh, his own development firm, um, and he was a general contractor before that. We worked for his dad hauling lumber and sheetrock and stuff like that and uh, grew to appreciate the business. And I don't want to say that we were only in high school, so I don't think it was exactly born there. Um, but then, yeah, in college, uh, Pat, obviously his story with baseball was super interesting, was able to get a signing bonus and, um, and you know, use that money uh, to flip a place in South Bend with his dad. And that's where I think the company was kind of born. But um, I worked, obviously, at that company in Boston for the year and a half. And then Pat kind of, uh, you know, he and I were talking, obviously staying in touch, talked about the potential of... Uh, moving to Portland, Oregon at the time when he was playing with the Trailblazers and kind of starting up this whole thing and um, made the move. And I don't regret uh, a single thing about it. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I think that's one thing that anyone can dream to do is do something, create something awesome and unique with one of their best friends. And Pat, could you expand a little bit on just like how maybe your dad influenced your interest in real estate today? Yeah, well, as Joe mentioned, I mean, (laughs) for good, and for definitely for good, sometimes not for fun, uh, we were working on job sites probably since we were in junior high yeah. uh, and into high school. And, you know, there's plenty of stories I'm sure my dad has of us uh, going through some growing pains, learning pains where the jobs, his jobs may not have been done as efficiently as a product of us. But, um, you know, I would say just 
being on those job sites and, and Joe may be able to attest to this, but being on those job sites and seeing what they were like when he was hired to develop them, hired to build them, hired to renovate them, what they looked like at the beginning of them. And then, you know, from some of the great work Joe and myself did of cleaning dumpsters and cleaning up the job sites and hauling sheetrock up and downstairs, what they looked like at the end and that difference. And so we got to see it on a daily basis throughout the summertime when we worked for them as far as the beginning to the middle to the end result. But it wasn't until you know college, it wasn't until, as Joe mentioned, I was fortunate to get a signing bonus in baseball and flip a home myself, was I able to see the financial difference of what happens when you buy a home, you put some money into it to fix it up, and then what is that home worth at the end? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was awesome, it was really cool to see, it was really cool to experience firsthand, and I think that kind of just sparked the growth, right? You know, you have that growth in um, a single project, you see the difference financially that it can make over a course of six, seven, eight months, and then you see what it's worth at that point. But then for us, it was, okay, well, how do we grow from there? Do we flip hundreds of homes and try to just make some money here and there? Well, sometimes there's volatility within the market. Sometimes it's not a buyer's market, it's a seller's market, sometimes it's vice versa. So. then we just started to learn more and more about multifamily homes, mixed use buildings, and creating a cash flowing portfolio so that um, you know as we grow and as we continue to do more projects, if we continue to own them and we can cover our costs based off rental income or based off of appreciation or whatever it might be, then we'll be setting ourselves up much better in the future uh, than just flipping homes. Yeah, one thing that really stands out to me is I personally have talked to multiple athletes who have an interest in real estate, but I think the thing that really makes Three Leaf Development stand out is that you guys were doing, you know, the grunt work. You guys were hauling the scrap metal, the lumber, and you have an appreciation for, you know, the contractors. You have an appreciation for the details, and you see these details come to life in some of these Three Leaf properties. And that kind of leads me to my next question. It wasn't written down, but I want to ask, did you find... uh, getting deeper and deeper into this, do you find that real estate success and, and real estate, you know, not necessarily success, but accomplishing uh, projects, fa- finishing things is addicting, so to speak? Uh, great question. I would say to your point about the detail, I think that's a great, 